We are in part two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recap you real quick on, on Daniel 1. I'm not going to go real long into it. You can go and watch that um, if you want to from last week. But I'm going to just do a real quick recap of the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, of course, is written about a guy. Can you guess his name? Okay, good. All right, all right, good. We're starting off, starting off good. Daniel. His name's Daniel. Um, when we open up the book of Daniel, he is about 15 years old. Uh, so he's a teenager. Uh, he's got a couple of friends that are with him. They are enrolled at Jerusalem High School, okay? They are some Jerusalem High students. All is good. Life is good. The Bible describes these guys as they're smart, they're strong, and they're good looking. Come on, they got a lot of great things going for them. All of life is going really, really well for them, um, except the fact that there is a Babylonian empire that wants to take them out. And sure enough, an army comes in and uh, raids Jerusalem and, uh, and steals these boys, steals actually many of the people of God, and brings them 500 miles over to, to Babylon, to a whole nother kingdom. And so I want you to just think for a moment, these guys, I mean, it's, it's just like, you know, what, 15, 10th grade year, all, all is going well. I mean, they're just enjoying life, and then all of a sudden, a raiding army comes in and takes you away, and in one day, takes them away from their parents, takes them away from their school, takes them away from their culture, takes them away from their city. I mean, everything within a day has just been fully taken away from them. Just a bunch of sophomores in high school, and they are like, what in the world's going on? They're brought into a totally different culture that is very different than Jerusalem. Jerusalem, of course, is, is, a, is a bunch of people, Jewish people who are serving God, loving God, honoring God, and they're brought into Babylon, which is almost the exact opposite of Jerusalem. Despise God, hate God, have a whole different culture, have a whole different education system, everything, and these guys are brought into this to serve a very wicked king, by the guy, guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar, and uh, Babylon really represents that, it represents a, a, a people and a culture that is opposite of God, opposition of God. And, and the reason we're going through this series and the reason why we called it exiles was because that's what these boys were. These boys were exiles. And exile is literally someone that's been pulled out of their home and they're put in a foreign place. And the reason I called it that was because not only are we learning about actual exiles, Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we're also... We ourselves are exiles. The Bible says that if we are followers of Christ, that this place is not our home. Uh, our home is not here. Our home is in heaven with God. And so we are exiles as well, living in a foreign land and, and living in a foreign culture that is the opposite of God. How many of you would agree that our culture right now is, is moving away towards, away from God um, their values are going from away from God. Uh, so much of what we're doing is away from God. And so this whole idea and the, kind of the, the premise of this is how do we thrive in a place that's not our home? How do we thrive in a place that is anti-God, anti-to-everything that we believe? And so um, there's really three responses that we have. I gave you three last week. I'm going to give you kind of three different ones this week. Um, that we can have to culture, that when culture is anti-God, anti-values, anti-family, anti-all, there's kind of three responses that we can have. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these three down. The first way that we can respond when culture kind of begins to steer away from God is the first one is we can escape. We can escape. 
And I heard people, I mean, you, you probably saw, especially during all the political season, when a certain president was going to get voted in that maybe wasn't your president, we heard all these people, well, I'm leaving. Where'd they, where'd they go? Where'd they go? What, what they're doing is, is I'm, I'm, getting, I'm trying to get out of this. I'm going to just move away. I'm going to just hide away. And I'm going to bunker down until Jesus comes back. All right? Um, and, and so we get into this kind of escapist mindset. And by the way, Jesus has never called Christians to be escapist. He never called us to leave. Now, there's been persecution, of course, in the church that caused them to have to be on the run for their life. But God's never called us to escape. But, but if we're not careful, we can kind of just become this escapist mentality when it comes to culture. The second type of uh, response that we can have is we can go to the other extreme and we embrace it. We embrace culture. And so we just, we say things like, well, this is just how it's going to be. This is just the way it is. And, and what ends up happening is, is we go, man, I, you know, I really don't want to rock the boat. I just, I'm just going to kind of live with it. Like, this is the culture that I'm in. I might as well embrace it because if I don't embrace it, then I'm going to stick out. And if I stick out, then I'm going to rock the boat. And if I rock the boat, I'm going to make people upset at me. And so, y'all good? Okay, all right. So, I know the power of the Lord is in the corner. Okay. Already. Pick them up. Okay, so. All right, so we can escape. We can embrace. And we can become like the culture. Or we can do option three, which is the option that God's called us to do, and that is we engage it. We engage the culture. I mean, believe God's called us to impact our culture. He's called us to make a difference in our world. He's called us to make an impact in the business world. He's called us to make an impact in the arts and entertainment world. He's called us to make an impact in the political world. I'm praying that God would put men and women that fear the Lord in all of those different industries. I mean, oh, God has put you in your industry and in your business and in your school and in your family and in your neighborhood. Not to run from it, not to embrace it, but to engage it and impact it for the gospel of Christ. This is what God's called us to do. You are here on a Sunday to get equipped to go back into your mission field. This is not the mission field here. This is the training ground. You're getting trained and equipped this morning to go back into your mission field, to engage your mission field, to reach your mission field for the gospel, to see the kingdom of God advance. And this is what we're going to do. So uh, I, I wrote this down. And I want you to write this down. This is kind of a, just a big thought, but I think it's important as we're talking about this. And that is that if you're going to make a difference, you have to be willing to be different. If you're going to make a difference, you're going to have to be willing to be different. And if, it, and if, and if that bothers you, you're going to have a hard time making a difference. Because the only people who really made differences in this world were people who were willing to be different. They were people that were willing to be outcast. They were people that were willing to be criticized. They were people that were willing to, to have some opposition come their way. All throughout the Gospels. All throughout even the Old Testament. Men and women who were mightily used by God had a lot of opposition to them. And, and, and the way that I like to put it is this, is that if you're not getting any opposition, maybe you're going with the culture. Maybe if there's nothing that's against you and everybody agrees with you and everybody loves you, you're probably not doing everything God's called you to do. Because all throughout scripture, there were people who absolutely loved Jesus, but how many know there were people who wanted to crucify him? And so Daniel is one of the greatest examples of someone who is thriving and engaging and influencing his culture, and yet he held on to his values and to the truth. We talked about this last week of being a man full of truth and grace, that we can impact our culture. It's the greatest thing our, our culture needs is a, is a people full of the Spirit of God, full of love, full of grace, full of truth, that we can impact and engage our, our, our culture.
So today we are in Daniel chapter 2. So we're going chapter by chapter, looking through each chapter, and I'm so excited about today's chapter because today's chapter um, is all about the dream. And so today I've entitled this message, The Dream. And we're going to look in Daniel chapter 2, we're going to look in verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to go through and look at different verses, and we're going to see how God uses, this is the very beginning of how God is going to use this 15, 16-year-old boy to begin to start making a real difference. And I want you to see how God sets him up for a moment. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. How many of y'all have ever had a dream that you didn't get any sleep? Anybody? Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dream. Okay? So this is the beginning of it all. So let me just go ahead and I'll, I'll walk you through a little bit of, of what's going on. But how many in here have ever been in a deep sleep and you've been in a dream and it has not been a good dream? It was a bad dream. It was a nightmare. And, and it, was, it, it was so realistic. And it wasn't until you like woke up, you're like, <gasps> and you woke up and you're like, thank God that was not true. Any of y'all had moments like that? Like it was so vivid, so real that you were like, ah! anybody had the naked dream? Anybody have that one before? I have, I have dreamt that I preached naked. It was the worst thing ever. That was crazy. I, I, I've had some weird dreams. I had some, I've had some very weird dreams. I'm not a major dreamer. I usually sleep and don't dream at all, but I've had some pretty, pretty weird. When I've had weird ones, I've had some super weird ones. Like I had, I had one time where um, we were in a season where I had to let someone on our staff go. And uh, I was going to have to fire them. And, I, and, man, it was just keeping me up at night because that's the last thing that any guy wants to do. And I was just drink, I was, I was, I was thinking about it. And so I went to bed thinking about it. And I started dreaming about it. And I woke up in the middle of the night. And I'm in the middle of a dream. And I look over at Lindsay and I go, you're fired. <laughs> this is no lie. And I wasn't awake. I just said it in my dream. You're fired. And Lindsay woke me up. She said, you just fired me. I said, you're rehired. <laughs> you're back. <laughs> I had another one, I had another one where I had, and this was, I think this was demonic. I had one where I thought that there were snakes crawling up my bed. And you all had those kind of dreams? That there were snakes crawling up my bed, okay, and, and I could feel them going at my feet. And I got up on my bed. Now, this is a dream and reality at the same time. It was so vivid. I got up on my bed. Lindsay's sleeping right there. I get up on my bed, and I go to jump off the bed, and I hit the fan. This is no lie. This is no lie. I hit the fan. I fall down. Of course, now I'm awake. And then Lindsay's like, what? What happened? What happened? And I just crawled into bed like it was no big deal. Like, I don't know, babe. I don't know what went down. Had to wait for 30 minutes because my head was throbbing. But, And then that one was, that one was epic. And then... I'll tell you the last one. This one's Lindsay's. So she don't mind. I've shared it before. So uh, we had just had, I think it was Josiah. So like any mamas in here that have a new baby, like how many know you don't sleep anyways? And so she was so like delirious from like a lack of sleep from uh, nursing Josiah all the time. I woke up in the middle of the night and she's rocking my leg. (laughs) I'm like, babe, what's going on? If you wanted me, just tell me. I didn't have to walk. My... 
there are, there's, there's natural dreams, and then, of course, there's, there's demonic dreams, and then there's God dreams. And uh, the dream that, that King Nebuchadnezzar has is a God dream. And uh, Daniel chapter 2 is, is about a dream. It's about actually a couple of dreams that happen, but it's also very prophetic. I don't know if you know this, but Daniel, I, I shared a little of this last week, Daniel is a very prophetic book. Like half of it is kind of personal and practical, and then the other half of it is prophetic. Actually, there's a prophetic part that's in Daniel chapter 2. If you want to understand revelations, it's actually found in, in Daniel 2, where we're about to read. I'll, I'll get to that in just, in just a minute. But I don't know if you realize this, one-third of the Bible is prophecy. One-third of the Bible is about the end times, is about, about the end. And King Nebuchadnezzar, what he does is he calls all of his astrologers, he calls all of his magicians, he calls all of his sorcerers, he calls all of kind of the, the wise men that he has, and here's what he says. Okay, guys, I had a dream, and it has rocked me. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm scared, I'm freaked out, I don't know what it means. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me the dream, and then I want you to tell me interpretation. Okay? And so the guys go, uh, so they get together. So he wants us to tell them the dream? Yeah. And, and the interpretation? Yeah. Okay. So they go to, go to the king and say, King Neb, listen, um, give us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. And he goes, ah, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Listen, I don't think you heard me correctly. I pay you to do this. You said you're the wisest guys ever. I want you to tell me the dream, and then I want you to give me the interpretation. So they go back. Okay. Y'all, y'all, tell, tell them the dream. Okay. Y'all got the dream? I don't know. You need to convince him to give us the dream. Okay. So they go back. Hey, listen, King. Now, um, I don't know if you know how this works. How this works is you give us the dream, and then we will give you the interpretation. And the king is furious. You can read this in the verses after. He's furious. And so he says this, listen, he said, I'm going to tell you all something. Whoever can give me the dream and the interpretation, I am going to honor you. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you position. I'm gonna, but if you guys can't tell me the dream and you can't tell me the interpretation, I'm not only going to kill you, I'm going to dismember all of you. And so they say, here's how they respond. Because this is what's happening. These guys are acting like 1-900 psychic prophets. Y'all know how those 1-900 work? Tell me a little bit about yourself. What's your name? What's your middle name? What's your mama's maiden name? How much do you weigh? I foresee health issues in your past. You know, like, it's just like crazy stuff, all right? So that's what these guys are trying to do. They're trying to bait the king to give them some info so they could go to their book and find out maybe what these may actually mean because they had these books that would figure it out a lot lot like how palm reading and all that stuff works. And so I want you to see how they respond to him when they try to push him again to go, you need to give us a dream. And, And it says, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, watch this, after he's going, like, I'm gonna kill you. They said this, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. Watch this. And he says, the thing that the king asks is difficult. And no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious 
and he commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. Kill them all. You're worthless to me. Well, here's the problem. You know who one of the wise men are? Daniel. Daniel and his three partners were also wise men in this. And so Daniel gets word. Hey, listen, uh, the king's hacked right now. And um, I, I don't know if you heard, you're dying. And your friends are dying, and we all dead. Everybody's dying. And Daniel's like, whoa, 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 hold up. What, what are we dying about? Well, see, the king wanted to dream, had a dream. He wanted to tell his dream, and then he wanted us to give the interpretation of the dream. And Daniel said, hold, hold, hold up, hold up. Hey, listen, um, can you get me before the king? Just get me in front of the king. I can give him the dream and the interpretation. And, and, and one of the king's right-hand right guys that was actually the executioner said, let me see what I can do. So he goes to go tell the king, hey, Daniel wants to meet with you. And Daniel runs to his three friends. And he goes to his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, guys, listen, hey, 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 listen, um, we, need, we need to have a meeting. King's killing us. I told the king that I could give him his dream and interpretation. We need to pray because I don't know the dream and interpretation. <laughs> he literally put himself out there before God ever did anything. Hey, you know what that's called? Faith. God has called us as a people of God to walk in faith. Most of the time, we walk in understanding when God's calling us to walk in faith. Daniel knew that he could trust that God would give him the answers. There was a faith that he had on the inside. And so he goes to his guys and says, hey, guys, we gotta, we, the first thing we need to do, we, we got to pray. We've got to pray. So they, 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 they start having a little prayer time. They start going before the Lord. They start asking the Lord, God, God, give us, give us wisdom here. Like, God, you know what's going on. You know that you gave this dream to King Neb. You know what it is. God, help give us this. Give us a revelation of what this is. God, give us the interpretation of what this is. And they just start praying, and they start asking God to show up. And as God always does, God shows up. And I want you to look with me in verse 19. Because after these guys pray, which by the way, how many know we need some people in our life that will pray with us? Notice who he, he knew who to go to. That could have faith alongside with him. Notice his friends didn't go, what in the world? They said, let's do it. Let's pray. And I want you to see what verse 19 says. Watch this. And so in verse 19, it says, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel. So they're praying. God shows up. God reveals to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, blessed be the name of God. Now I want you to see this. Because as God gives him the dream and God gives him the interpretation, watch how Daniel responds to God. He says, blessed God be the name of God forever and ever. To whom belong what? Wisdom and might. Watch, he's going to continue. Look at these things. Look at this. And he what? He changes times and seasons, and he removes kings, and he sets up kings, and he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding, and he reveals deep and hidden things, and he knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Watch, let's keep going. And it says this, to you, O God, my Father, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. And have now made known to me what we asked for. For you have made known to us the king's matter. 
I want to I walk you through because what we see in this prayer is we see Daniel articulating what God's ability is versus man's inability. What God can do and what we cannot do. What is, what is what man tries to do, but really at the end of the day, only God can do. And so we see this in this verse, and I'm going to unpack six things, okay? Six things of what we see that God has the ability to do. Now I'm going to say this, because as we go through this, you're going to see that as we unpack each one of these, these are things that oftentimes we think we can do. And you're going to quickly realize that there are elements of things that you can do. But the majority of this are things that only God can do, which is yet again why we have such a dependence on the Lord. And not only does Daniel need to have this dependence, we need to have this dependence as well. So number one is this, is that God can change what you cannot change. God can change what you cannot change. This is what God does. Question, ready? Can you change the weather? No. Can you change the seasons? No, please fall, come. Lord, please send fall, send fall, send fall. Hurricanes go, fall, come. Hurricanes go, fall, come. All right? But you can't change seasons. You can't change time. You can't change the weather. All right, let's go. Let's get, let's get a little bit more specific here. Can you change someone's heart? No. Can you change your spouse? Let me ask that one right. Let me ask that one again. Can you change your spouse? Okay, now look at your spouse as you answer this one. Can you change your spouse? Who can? So then why do we put more pressure on ourselves to change them than God? Can you change your boss? No. I mean, let's just go down the list of all the things that you would love to see changed. God, and, and we need to just realize that God can change things that you can't change. He's got an ability to change a situation when you can't change it. Let me give you the second one. God can remove what you can't move. God can remove what you can't move. This is what he does. I just, I just uh, was talking to, to um, a family that's in our church that they were telling me about their brother, that their brother had this disease for so long in his life. And uh, on Father's Day, he came to church for the very first time with his family, and he was sitting there in, in, in the service. He was sitting over here on this side, and, and the sister said that God just began to tell her, you need to pray over your brother over this disease that's there. And so in the middle of worship as going on, she turns around and she starts praying for her brother over this disease that he has. And the next week, he went to the doctor. He's had this disease for years and years and years and years and went to the doctor because they were having to figure out what they're going to do surgically. And in that moment, the doctor did a scan and it wasn't there anymore. It's gone. It's because God can remove things that you can't move. God can remove people that you wish you could move. It said that, it said that God can remove kings. God can remove ungodly people. God can remove things out of this situation. God can remove people out of your life that are toxic that don't need to be there. God can do things that you can't do when you've been trying to move it. How many know when you're trying to move, it's like pushing a mountain. When God moves it, he says, go. How many know God can do that? In the moment, he can move things. 
Number three, God can appoint what you cannot position. God can appoint people in places. He can appoint things in moments where you cannot even try. You've been trying to position yourself. You've been trying to gain influence. You've been trying to build yourself up. You've been trying to do all these things, and you wonder why nobody notices you and why you don't get the promotion and why you don't get the position and why you don't. And God says, listen, no, I'm the one who appoints people to their positions, not you. You be faithful, you be obedient, you do what you need to do, and you trust that I will elevate you in the time that I'm calling you to elevate you. Look at this. And if you're in a season of hiding, this is good because if you feel like you're hidden and unseen, God can track you down. Think about David who was in a, who in a field. His dad didn't even position him into a place. And God says, I can even find you when you're in a field and no one's even looking at you other than sheep. And God says, bring David out of here. And David, uh, uh, Samuel says, bring David out here. And he anoints David in that moment because God can appoint people. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus. She didn't ask to be the Messiah's mom. But God appoints. God says, I put my, my hand upon you. Saul, who was vehemently against the Jewish people, killing them. And God says, no more. You on my team now. So even sometimes when we're not even pursuing God, how I many know God's pursuing us? And God can appoint people, he can move people, he can change people. This is what he does. Let me give you number four. God can give wisdom when you don't understand. God can give you wisdom. James, James tells us if you need wisdom, ask King Nebuchadnezzar was the mightiest man on the earth, surrounded around the wisest people supposedly on the earth. All of these pagan men, pagan astrologers, pagan scientists, pagan, um, just every person that had, he thought, had incredible amounts of wisdom, and yet they still couldn't figure out this problem. And I believe as God's people, God will give you incredible wisdom and insight to fix problems that no one else can fix. God will give you wisdom any of y'all are parents? Do you need wisdom on how to parent your children? If you have multiple children, how many know you need wisdom for each one individually? I did it for this one. Why isn't it working for this one? Because you need a different wisdom for that one and that one. Different jobs, different seasons. There's different seasons when you need to know. As farmers in here, you need to know wisdom on when to plant, when not to plant. When to harvest, when not to harvest. When to fertilize, when not to fertilize. God can give you supernatural wisdom to know things that other people don't know. This is what he did for Daniel. This is what we see. God can give us that. God can give us strategic ideas and solutions in moments that someone has been working years and years and years for. And he can give it to us in this moment. Number five, God can reveal what you cannot see. How many know God sees things in people's hearts that you don't see? How many know God sees the future that you don't see? Watch this. How many know God sees your potential that you don't even see? God sees potential inside of you that you didn't even know existed in there, but he knows it because he put it in there before the beginning of the foundations of this earth. And God can call it forward and say, I see this in you. And you go, no, not me, not me, not me. And he goes, yes, you. Because God can reveal and show you things that you don't even know. God can show you things about people that you think is all good on the, on the outside, but on the inside, they're trying to steer something wrong. The other day, I had someone that was, that, that prayed, you know, I invite a lot of people to pray for me because I need it. 
And uh, I had someone who operates in the prophetic, and they reached out to me, and they said, Pastor Josh, I just want you to know I'm praying for you, and this is, this is the word that the Lord gave to me. He said, God gave me this, this word that God's going to give you night vision to see wolves when you couldn't see them in the natural. God's going to give you ability to see enemy when nobody else can see it. I said, give it to me. God, help reveal to me what I cannot see. Reveal to me when something, something demonic is going against my children so I can block it before it gets to them. Are y'all with me? God, God, help me. God, give me something. God, reveal to me what's going on in my marriage that I can't fix. I've been trying to fix for so long, and I can't see it. God, give me, reveal to me what's going on. Help me. Number six, God can show you what you do not know. So not only will he reveal what you cannot see, he can show what you do not know. Question, does God know the past? Does God know the present? Does God know the future? Yes. All right. Does God know your spouse, your kids, your boss, your season? Yes. God knows it all, and God can show it all. God can reveal it all. Now, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he only gives us a little piece because he wants us to continue to pursue him. Sometimes God doesn't show us everything because if he showed you everything, you'd freak out. Is that not true? If God goes, hey, next year, you're going to go through hell. You'd be like, I'm out. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good right here. All right. If God showed you, hey, next year, I'm going to elevate you to this, and I'm going I'm to give you this kind of weight, and I'm going to give you this kind of pressure, some of you would be like, no, 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 I don't want that. I don't want that. And so God does oftentimes give us little by little, but he is still a God who shows. He is a God who reveals. And do you know what one of the greatest things that separates us as Christians from non-Christians the greatest asset that you have as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, that non-Christians do not have, is that you can talk and hear from the living God. It is the greatest asset that puts you in a whole nother rank above people who do not have a relationship with God. Meaning that if you serve the same God that Daniel does, that same God can speak to you like he did Daniel. And the question is not if God wants to speak to you. The question is, do you want to hear from him? It's not if God is speaking or not speaking. God is speaking. The question is, if any of you are like, man, I just haven't heard God in a long time. I just don't know what's going on. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the question is, do you have a postured heart that says, God, speak to me, because not only do I want to hear from you, but I want to obey what you tell me to do. See, some of us want God to speak to us, but we get to determine if we obey it or not. And so God says, well, why do I want to tell you something if I know you're not going to do it? I'm going to speak to people who, do, who, who want to do and live out what I, what I do. So here's my question. For those who haven't heard God in a long time, what's the last thing he told you and did you obey that? Come on, somebody. I love you. I love you. I love you. I just want you to hear me. God wants to speak. God is speaking. God is talking. God, give us ears to hear what you are saying to the church. God, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us. And so here we are. God downloads all of this into Daniel. He gives him this, the, the mysteries. And it says in verse 27, look at me in verse 27. It says, Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, no enchanters, no magicians, and no astrologers can show you to the king the mystery that the king has asked. So he's just repeating to them what those guys said. Hey, they said that they couldn't do it. No man could do it. I just want you to know, they right. They right. Nobody can. But, watch, but, I mean, no, there's some good buts. 
But, here's the but, but there is a God in heaven. And I need you all just to hear that. Just, let's just pause there for a moment. I don't know whatever's coming against you. I don't know whatever you're facing. I don't know whatever the doctors have said, but there's a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven that no matter what situation you're facing that seems like it's impossible, seems like there's no way out, I know that we've got a way-maker God. We've got a miracle-making God. We've got a God who can raise the dead. He can give life to the lifeless. He can give sight to the blind. He can make the lost be found. This is the God that we serve. There is a God. And when God enters into the equation, the game changes. Can I preach for a moment here? Okay. So there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to, the King Neb- to King Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days? So he's going, King Neb, listen, that was a God dream. God was trying to show you something. And I'm here as a man of God to help you understand and unlock what it is. Now, can you imagine, just for a moment, all eyes, all the enchanters, all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all the guys are in the room. And Daniel stands up and goes, yeah, they're right, no man can do it. But my God can. Can you imagine all the eyes turn to him and go, Let's see what you got. I mean, no, they're like all eyes on him now. Let's see what you got. And he says, all right, let's go. So verse 21 says this. So you saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image is mighty and of exceeding brightness, and it stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold. Its chest and its arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and it broke them into pieces. King Neb, am I I right? Are we good? Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, yeah, you good. Yeah, yeah, just keep going. What else? What else? Yeah, and, and then the iron and, and, and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold and all of together was broken in pieces. And it became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image, it became a great mountain, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. And, and it filled the whole earth, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did, it did. And so... I want you to imagine this moment. He's, he's now given the dream. And King Neb goes, you're right. You're right. It's exactly, it's exactly what I dreamt. I said, okay. Now, here's the deal. Daniel's halfway there. He's, he's 50%, right? He's, he's, still gotta, he's still gotta interpret it now. And says, okay, how am I doing so far? You're doing good. You ready for the interpretation? Yeah, give it to me. Okay, here's the interpretation. Now watch what he says in verse 38. He says, you're the head of gold. King Neb, you're the head. And then another kingdom inferior to you, lesser than you, is going to rise after you. And then a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And, hold on, and then there's going to be a fourth kingdom that's as strong as iron. And because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all things. So, okay, wait, hold on, hold on, Daniel. So, 
let me, let me see if I got this right. So you're telling me, I'm the head. Yeah, you the head. You the head. I'm the gold. Yeah, you the gold. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then you're saying that there's going to come another kingdom that's less than the Babylonian kingdom, but it's going to overtake our kingdom. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but then you're saying that there's going to be another kingdom, a third kingdom, that's going to come and overtake that kingdom. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold on. And then you're saying there's a fourth kingdom. That's going to come and it's going to overtake that kingdom. Yep, that's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. And wait, wait, hold on. And then you said there's a stone. And that stone's going to come in and it's going to crush all the kingdoms. Yep, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so what he does in this moment is he begins to unpack each of these things. And you need to understand something about prophecy. And we are a church who deals in the prophetic. It's a part of the spirit of God that God works in the prophetic. The prophetic did not end when the Bible was finished and all wrapped up. Prophecy is still going on even today. There's prophetic things. Now there's prophetic and there's pathetic. And we can, that's a whole nother thing. There are prophets and non-prophets, okay? Um, and there's a way to test all that. But, but let me give you a, a kind of a working definition of what prophecy is, because that's what this is. It's a dream, but it's prophetic. And a, and a prophecy is when God speaks through an individual about a present time with future implications. So why did God give King Neb this dream? Because he wanted him to know that the Lord is in your present and the Lord is also in your future. But why did he want Daniel to have the dream and the interpretation? Because he wanted Daniel to know, hey, listen, even when it looks bad, I'm still in control. Even when it looks like no hope, you can trust me, you can depend on me, you can lean in on me. Let me put it, let me put it away that's noteworthy. You can trust your own known future to an all-knowing God. You can trust your unknown future. How many of you right now got some things in your future right now that you just don't know about? You don't know what's going on? Every hand should be raised right now, actually. All of you are like, I know. I know what's going on in the future. All right, psychic. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> If God has already been in the future, which he has, then how many know we can trust him in our present to bring us into the future? If God's already in the next day, if God's already in my tomorrow, God's already in my next week, hey, watch this, watch this. This is huge, and this is implications for your entire life. If God is already in the future and God is already working things out for his glory and for your good, you don't have to be scared when there's a political change. What? Because my hope's not in the White House. My hope is in God and in God's house. Listen, you don't have to be scared when there's a COVID breakout. You don't have to be scared when, our, when it seems like our world is going and tanking. You don't have to be scared when there's world wars. You don't have to be scared when there's natural disasters. Yeah, of course, there's a part of it that we, we, we're scared for our life. But at the end of the day, listen, I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you. There's security and safety that's there. This is what allows us as missionaries to go into the worst places in the world that are anti, that are hostile to God and go into it with boldness and confidence because there is not a day that has not been predetermined by a God who's already defined it. So I can go, I can go into the worst of situations. Now listen, that's not to be foolish. That's not to be foolish. 
But there is a confidence that comes within us that, listen, no matter what happens in our government, no matter who is president, no matter who's the mayor, now you should vote and you should do those things. We should do that. That's our right and that's our responsibility. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote. But at the end of the day, God appoints and God removes. God sets up and God takes down. God blesses a people even in ungodly places. God even puts people in ungodly places so they can do things that they wouldn't do anywhere else. God puts us in dark places and in dark seasons because he wants our light to shine. Not our light, but the light of Christ shine through us. And so some of you are in a job and you're asking, God, take me out of the job. And God's going, would you maybe just ask me maybe why I have you there in the first place? Maybe I have you there because it's not about your comfort and your convenience. Which, by the way, serving the king is never about comforts and convenience. It's all about calling. And if your life is all about comfort and convenience, you'll never go where God's calling you to go. You'll never say what God is wanting you to say. You'll never stand for what God is wanting you to stand up. You can trust an unknown future to an all-knowing God. So let me show you. Let me show you a picture of this. Let me give you what the interpretation is. And we're wrapping up. So here's the image. The image starts with gold at the head. And he says, King Neb, you're the gold. You're the head. This is the Babylonian Empire from 615 to 539. This is when they, he ruled and reigned. And then in came the Medo-Persians. And, and you'll see this actually in Daniel chapter 7 and Daniel chapter 8. Um, and, and we'll get there in a little bit. But, but they're, the, they're the lesser than kingdom that actually ended up coming in and overruling the Babylonian empire. And then there was the bronze. And that's the people of the Greek people. And they came in and they, they overtook the, the Medo-Persians from 331 to 146. And then, after that, then the Romans came in. Which, by the way, this is when Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus entered into the world when the Romans were at power. Nero and all of them that went on. Okay? And this was when, from 146 to 380 plus. And the Romans ruled and reigned. But that wasn't the whole vision. That wasn't the whole dream. The end of the dream was that there was a, a stone not cut from human hands that came down out of heaven, hit the feet and the legs of the statue and destroyed the statue, and that stone is the kingdom of God. And that stone came into this world when Jesus showed up on this planet. And from the birth of Jesus all the way to the second coming of Jesus, there was a new king and a new kingdom that was established on this earth. And if we read throughout the book of Matthew, you'll find out that when they describe the stone, that stone is speaking of one man, Jesus. That Jesus is the stone that we build our life on. Jesus is the foundation. He is the, he is the rock. He is what everything is built upon. And this stone is going to come in and it's going to take over. It's going to rule. It's going to reign. It's gonna, this is the kingdom of God. But it's not going to reign by taking over other kingdoms. It's going to rule and reign by engaging kingdoms. Amen. That's why the Jewish disciples were always like, when are we overthrowing it all? And Jesus was like, I didn't come with the sword, and I'm not coming and take names and trying to put myself as king. He says, no, we're going to infiltrate the kingdom. We're going to show a different kingdom. I'm so grateful to be a U.S. citizen. I'm grateful to be a U.S. citizen. But can I tell you what? I am way more grateful to be a kingdom citizen of heaven that is ruling and reigning forever, forever. My hope is not in anything other than the power of the gospel and the power of God's kingdom. We are exiles. 
but our true identity is in a kingdom that will never be shaken. This is why you can go through the things that you go through and have confidence that if you're serving the king of kings and the Lord of lords, you can never be shaken. And I want you to see what happens here in verse 46 because he gives the dream. And now he gives the interpretation. And all these guys are now looking at him. And the king goes, that's it. That's it. And watch how the king responds now. It says in the next verse that the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face. And he paid homage to Daniel. And he commanded that an offering, an incense be offered up to him. And the king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is the God of gods. Remember, we're in, a, we're in Babylon, a polytheistic society. They served a ton of gods, moon gods and sun gods and women gods and men gods. And they served all of these gods, tons of them. And, and King Neb goes, this is the true God, the God that's above every other God, and Lord of the kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Now watch, watch what next verse says. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief perfect, perfect over all the wise men of Babylon. Did you just see what happened? Due to the fact that a man full of the Spirit of God, being used by God, God honored him. It says the king gave him all these things. Let me know, God was giving him all these things. Gave him gifts, gave him money, gave him honor, gave him power, gave him position, and here he is. Now he is the ruler of all the guys who relied on human wisdom. He's over them. He's over them. I was talking to a guy last night. He's been working in a field. He said, man, I've only been working in this field a couple months, but they've already made me like second in charge, and I don't understand how that's happened. I said, oh, I know exactly how that's happened. Because the Spirit of God is upon you, and when the Spirit of God is upon you, he will anoint you and appoint you in places you can't do your own. If we would rely on God's appointing and just follow what God does, I'm telling you, God will set you up. You don't have to set yourself up. God will set you up. And if there's ever been a time in our world when God needs kingdom agents full of the spirit of God, living in the supernatural, it's right now. It's right now. We advance the kingdom of God with the love of Christ and the power of God and the supernatural gifts that he gives us by the spirit to be able to have prophecy and interpretations and tongues, to walk in wisdom, to walk in love, Pace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And if God will speak to Daniel, he'll speak to you. You are a citizen, an exile of the kingdom of God, and you can walk in supernatural power. God has equipped you with everything that he's called you to. He's given you the word of God, and the spirit of God, and the gifts of God. And God's spirit and God's church is the only answer to the problems we're facing in this world. The only answer, God's spirit and God's church, is the, it's, it's, it's answer, it's the answer. 
you have the answer. And so if you look at society like, I hate what I see, you're the answer. You're the answer. God is using you to make a change, to make a difference. And so today, my question is, are we relying on the spirit of God? Are we trying to do things in our natural strength, our natural wisdom, our natural understanding, our natural, how many know natural will only get you so far, but the supernatural can take you places you've never been? How, how many of you just so, God, I, I want a fresh dose of your Holy Spirit on me to give me wisdom, give me insight, give me understanding, give me patience, give me love. Come on, if that's you, would you just stand all across this room? If that's just you, I, you just need that right now. God, I, I'm praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit this morning just to fill and refresh and renew. Would you just lift your hands all across this room? All it is is just a sign of surrender. It's also a posture of just a filling posture. Saying, God, right here, right now, Right here, right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. God, we want, we want to be a, a people who are relying upon you, dependent upon you, in need of you. Lord, there's nothing that we can do apart from you that bears fruit, that makes a difference. God, we don't want to just be good people. We want to be God people. We want to be kingdom citizens that have our, our sights and our, and, our, and our focus on heaven. But God, we don't wanna be so heavenly minded that we're not earthly good. Heaven come down. Heaven come down. May we pray as Daniel prayed. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding. Give us your spirit. Fill us fresh and new. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Reveal to us things in our own hearts. You can reveal things that we can't see. God, if there's things in our life that we have allowed, reveal it to us. God, we wanna repent of those things. We wanna turn from those things. We want those things uprooted from our lives. May pride be uprooted. May arrogance be uprooted. May fear be uprooted. May anxiety and depression be uprooted. God, reveal the things in our hearts that have held us back, that have limited us, that have held us down. Spirit of the living God, speak to your church. Speak to your church. Now just right there where you are, we're just gonna take just one minute. And I want you just to just have a moment with the Lord. I wanna, I wanna practice this. Sometimes we need to just be still and know that he's Lord. So I'm going to stop talking, and if you're there, if you're watching online as well, man, I'd love for you to just join in. And would you just right here, just, would you just ask, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just right there where you are, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And then let's just be quiet and let's let him speak. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is here. What one moment in the presence of God can do, what no man can do for years. So Spirit of the Lord, you're welcome here. You're welcome here. God, speak to your people. Encourage your people. Give us ears to hear. 
We know what the doctors have said. We know what people have said. We know what the media says. But none of those voices matter more than yours. God, what do you say? What do you say about our marriage? God, what do you say about our singleness? What do you say about our job? What do you say about our kids? What do you say about my heart? I believe there's some of you that are in here now, your heart has been hardened. There's been some situations that have gone on and it's hurt. It's hurt you. And since that moment, your relationship with God has not been the same. But today I believe by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's coming in and he's melting areas that have been hardened for a long time. There's been offenses that you need to let go of. There's some areas of forgiveness that you need to extend. The Bible says if you'll let this go, if you'll let this go, your life will change forever. There's those of you right now, you're on the run been running from the Lord God is drawing you back he's calling you back he's drawing you back into a relationship with him not in a religion into relationship he's your daddy he loves you there's those of you that are in here and you feel like man I've been I've been far from the Lord and I know I have I, I, I'm ready to come back I'm ready to come back home if that's you would you just shoot your hands up all across this room? It's time for me to come back home. Come on, hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, this is me. Spirit of God is calling me right now. I know it. Anybody else? Spirit of God is calling you right now. It's time to come home. It's time to it's time to quit running. God's here. He loves you. His grace is abundant. His mercy is forever. So, Father, I pray, Lord, for those right now that have all lifted their hands. If, if that was you, you lifted your hands. Would you just lift your hands again? Just right there where you are. Come on, just receive this. Receive this right here. This is your moment. This is it. Hey, no condemnation for those who are about to walk in Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, for those that have recognized them being far away from you. But even though they've been far from you, you haven't been far from them. And, God, I thank you right now, Lord, that you are drawing them back to you. Lord, we repent of our sins, we repent of our selfishness, we repent of our pride, and we turn to you. We thank you that you loved us, that you pursued us, you went after us. God, you're coming after us. Lord, you've died for us, you have forgiven us, and today, Lord, we recognize that you are king, that you are Lord, that you are worthy. We surrender our life to you. We give our all to you. Lord, we come back home to you and thank you that in this moment, God, you're like the prodigal father. Lord, wrapping them in your arms, reminding them of how loved they are. God, we thank you that it's your grace that changes us. It's your spirit that changes us. So God, change us from the inside out. God, fill the voids in our hearts and our lives that we have filled with other things. May you be our God. Lord, may you be our strength. May you be our hope. We put our faith in you today, 
in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on, can we stop?